welcome back to another session of uh, Just Me podcast. And today we're joined by the amazing Dinah Livestitch, who is sitting very near the Brecon Beacons, aren't you? Yeah, breathtakingly close. Oh, so tell us. So who are you and what do you do? Uh, I'm Dinah. I am uh, a woman in her late 50s full of life and joy and um, very grateful to live where I live. I coach people and I train people and I learn a lot of stuff every day, um, which just means my life is kind of full of joy. Oh, and do you love what you do? Uh, I, do you know, honestly, if somebody would said to me 20 years ago, and this is what you'll end up <laughs> doing in your 50s, I just would never have believed it. I, I literally adore what I do. I, I get to watch people see how amazing they are, um, to see themselves the way other people see them. Aww. And when that actually happens for someone, it's breathtaking. Aww. And then I get to train people to do a really remarkable job. Um, I train people to be celebrants, so they help other people celebrate moments in their life oh. all the way from birth to death and that's a job that's all about serving other people and what they need not what you need and then you go and discover that helping other people find what they need is exactly what you needed oh, <laughs> so it's just joyful and, and it is a huge privilege too Sid. That's so lovely so okay so how did you get to where you are today so where did life start for you oh great question wow yeah. how much time you got um well life started for me with adoption wow. so i was originally um my birth mother was 16 years old wow. i was born in the late 60s and you know i'm glad we've come a long way but it was really tough really really tough to have a baby out of yeah. wedlock as they would have put it uh, in the late 60s so I was put up for adoption wow. um, into um, a family that was all about education so I got a very good education wow. um, but then realized that I hadn't been educated about life at all so I kind of went out and did all the things that somebody with my level of privilege wasn't really supposed to do um, <laughs> discovered real people um, and real joy in small things. I think I, I think that part of my life taught me about being present. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. And then very young, met the one of the loves of my life, who actually still is the, the greatest love of my life, my hub, hubby. Uh, we met when I was 16 and he was 17. No ways. So this year we've actually been together for 40 years. Oh, lovely. Which I just find remarkable. Oh, that's so um, beautiful. Yeah, and, and genuinely I still can't talk about him without smiling. And I just oh. think how how much have I really got to be grateful for? Because that's huge. That's and, and I still really like him. And I think that tells you a lot about me. If I yeah. If I like a person, that's... I think it's a gift to meet people we like. Um, and when that becomes love, whether that's love of a friend, a, a sibling, a partner, a child, yeah, yeah. they're all, you know, it, it's not something 
to take for granted. They're all incredibly precious. So he and I started this journey very much together. And I'm a bit of a drama queen. um, So I've had a few ups and downs (laughs) along the way. And he's kind of, if he was more laid back, he'd probably be horizontal. Um, So he just goes with that and creates a space where it's safe to recover. Um, I've had some big health moments in my life. um, And he just gets me through them. We are very much a team. And what's Hubby's name? John. John. Hi, John. Um, and, and I think these big moments um, kind of have come to me to partly to show me mm. what I'm capable of, but partly to show me that sharing these things with other people can be not about ourselves. It can be a chance instead to say, did you know you can do this too? Um, And I've loved being in a position where I've had colleagues and friends along the way who said, hey, you could talk about that or you could share that and it might help. And it has. Um, And what a privilege that is to get to do that. And then is that what you've kind of learned along the way? All of that kind of. I think I think my biggest lesson, honestly, in life. It's really simple one. I'm going to have a sip of water. Um, my biggest lesson in life is what I tell myself becomes my truth. Mm. There was a saying, I think it's uh, Emerson, who said, whether I think I can yeah. or I think I can't, I'm probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a, a similar kind of philosophy I guess but I think this is deeper than that yeah because we tend to repeat our truth to ourselves all the time beautiful um I am my greatest limiting factor and I am my greatest chance at success I just have to choose Mm. who am I listening to today Mm. (laughs) um so I mean you mentioned a number of health things just now so what and who has kind of helped you? I mean, obviously John has, but what has kind of what has really helped you in terms of of to find that truth and to help other people find that truth? So I have um, I have this philosophy. I call it no box thinking. Yeah, I have had some great jobs in my life, and in one of them, I was in a marketing team during the early nineties. Um, and several people at that time in meetings would say, uh, we need to think outside the box. And I remember sitting in a meeting and thinking, whoever told them there was a box? <laughs> Where does that come from? Yeah, this idea that's so limiting and restraining. And I think it's often about convenience. Mm. In life, it's easy to put things in boxes and say, you belong in that one. Mm. Um, But when we do that, we take on other people's Mm. stories and beliefs. Mm. So, for example, when I was 26, I had a car accident um, and it left me in a wheelchair being told I would never walk again. Wow. Um, In fact, I wasn't even told that. The surgeon turned to my husband and said, your wife is never going to walk again. John laughed and said, you clearly don't know my wife. (laughs) 
And I was in that wheelchair for 11 years. It was a very significant part of our lives. Our daughter was three when I went into that wheelchair. So until she was 13, she didn't really know a a mum who could stand up and walk. But I decided, literally as that surgeon said that, no, that's your version of what happens, not mine. My version can be different because I don't believe in the box you've just put me in. You've labelled me and said, yep, she's a wheelchair user. That's that. That's how we're going to label her. It doesn't suit me. Um, And I had to teach myself, even though I can't feel most of my left-hand side, I decided I could teach myself to use my leg. Um, For about the first year and a half of walking, I couldn't walk and talk at the same time or I would fall over because it is such a process to tell yourself you're doing something Um, but what got me through that was that absolute belief that I don't have to take his version of what my life is now going to look like and make that a reality and I use that with other people who have Mm. I guess what you would call limiting beliefs about Mm. themselves we, we are so much more capable than we could possibly imagine. Mm. Uh, apparently, we use five or six percent of the capability of our brain. Mm. And what I did when I told my left leg it could still work was use one more percent. Wow. And then in my mid 40s, I had a very large series of heart attacks um, and ended up having a, a quadruple heart bypass and was told you've kind of got three or four years you've got 80% heart failure heart failure can't repair and now 10 years later I have 20% heart failure and I'm doing really well wow. and that's something we're all capable of mm. if we stop buying into other people's versions of our truth Brilliant. or which box we belong in mm. when you decide the boxes just aren't there it does change everything. Mm, that's lovely. It's really nice. So, so what sort of hindered you? So, what what would you say has hindered you along the way? I mean, we've, we've... oh, the, I think it's what hinders so many of us. It's that beautiful voice in our head that yeah. that got labelled as a syndrome, and I I will always fight that one. It is not a syndrome. Um, I have a syndrome. I have something called Ehlers Danlos syndrome, and no amount of positive thinking is going to stop me having that the imposter is a mindset and you can change your mindset and i think the imposter stops a lot of us a lot of the time Mm. um it's a lifelong relationship it's always going to be there Mm. there's a myth that it happens to certain people more than others Mm. i believe the only people who don't have an imposter are real narcissists Mm. All of the rest of us, at some point in our working lives or personal lives, will have that moment where we think, I don't deserve to be here. I don't know enough. I'm not experienced enough. It's always the enough, isn't it? And and when will it ever be enough? So I love addressing how we talk to that imposter they're they're very good at historical or hysterical dramas 
So the minute somebody talks to me about money, I'm that 14 year old in maths class and I was in the bottom maths class and I was bottom of the bottom maths class. So you talk to me about money and my imposter says, oh, no, I'm rubbish at maths. Mm. But then the adult version of me can say, no, look, hang on. There's much more recent evidence. Mm. I've run four businesses really successfully. Mm. I've never gone into debt. I don't even use a credit card. And that would imply I'm actually quite good at maths. Mm. So when I look at more recent evidence and show that to my imposter, suddenly I'm creating a different version again of what could be my truth. That's so lovely. So so what do you do when times get tough? So you've mentioned a whole bunch of stuff there. Where does that, where's that inner belief come from? Where does that find its home? Good question. Um, So I do two big things when that happens in my world. And of course, this happens in everybody's world. The first thing is I allow myself um, in my diary, I schedule time for myself every single day. Oh, lovely. And mine is called tree time. We moved to this incredible place where I live in Wales 10 years ago. And um, we're lucky enough to live in a small cottage in three acres of woodland. Wow. And we did that because I love being around trees. So it's really important to me that I'm actually around the trees every day. And so every day for 20 minutes a day, I have tree time. And when I'm finding things really hard, I know that going into nature really helps me. And I allow myself, I give myself permission to invest in time for myself Because I know when I do that, I cope with things better. I tend to overreact less. Um, And I enjoy my life more. That's so lovely. And what advice, if you could go back to when you were younger, 16 or whatever, what advice would you give yourself then? Oh, boy. (laughs) Wow, that's a tough one. Because there are so many things that instantly pop into my head when you asked. Um, I think the first big one would be you are enough exactly as you are, perfectly imperfect. To be able to embrace our imperfections and see that to other people, those are often the best things about us, is something that only seems to come with age. I would have loved not to have had the years and years of self-doubt about that. If somebody had told me, you are absolutely perfect, exactly this way, gosh, that would have been glorious. It's mad though, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? It's bonkers. Um, And and actually, I think it's one of those things we have to be ready to hear. I love that insight. That's really lovely. And what advice would you give others would you give this that exact advice that you are enough oh gosh yes you know our our whole society depends on us believing we are anything but enough that we will always need more or need to do more yeah and actually doing a bit less not doing 
busy because busy becomes something we do. <laughs> um, not doing busy, but instead allowing to enjoy our, you know, to enjoy our moments with those we love, with those we get to spend time with is so precious and, and we don't do it because we're busy in our heads telling ourselves I don't belong here I can't contribute to this I'm not experienced enough I'm not beautiful enough I'm not whatever it is enough and we're wasting wasting so much time I um John and I have said to each other since we were teenagers one day one day we're going to go and live in a woodland in the countryside and I woke up at the age of 46 from a 19 hour heart operation. And John looked me in the eye and said, darling, it's one day. Oh, how lovely. And four months later, we found our home in the woods. And we said when we got here, we have spent at that point 30 years together, not being quite ready to do this. Wow. Um, because we're all waiting for the perfect time. It doesn't exist. It's now. It's right now. And I think that's been a massive part of, of me with the illnesses and, and having moments that are really kind of defining. For me, that's a massive part of how we all move forward. But as you said just now, it it has to happen when you kind of you're ready for it, doesn't it? I mean, life is a funny way of showing us that. Yes, um, and and also I I think we have to let go of the I wish I'd done this years ago, yeah. because that ruins the fact that you did do it. We're great at that, aren't we? We set huge goals for ourselves, we achieve them. And the first thing we do is set a new goal instead of saying, look at what I did. And now I'm going to revel in it and love it and share it. No, no, I'm going to set another one straight away. Yeah. yeah. But as you say, society puts that on us, doesn't it? Which yeah. says that we're always not enough. Yes. And so I think what we have to get to is a place where that I'll know when I'm ready moment yeah. yes. is allowed to happen. And it's never going to happen while we're sitting on the internet looking at what other people are up to or scrolling through a feed of nonsense. Brilliant. Uh, because it just tells you, that feed tells you over and over again, you're not enough. Yeah, yeah. And, and what, what is the legacy that you'd like to leave behind? Oh, I have a really strong sense that I would like to leave people believing they are uniquely, perfectly imperfect. Everyone I've worked with or spoken with, I would love to have a sense that they carry that now. That's lovely. That's a big ask, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge ask. <laughs> That's, but it's lovely though isn't it because in its essence it's really simple but in its kind of delivery it's actually really complex isn't it yeah yeah that's really lovely and and how do you see the magic in yourself you know what is that magic that 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 Dinah brings you know to to yourself and to others in the world because there is how something I... in there 
I mean, you've got a special gift here. Oh, thank you. I tell you, honestly, can people who are listening see us? No. No. Okay, so I'm going to describe what is on the wall behind me, um, which is incredibly busy, and it's full of cards. It's full of letters and cards from people saying, thank you. This is what you did. This is how you made me feel. And this is what I did as a result of that. And I call it my thank you wall. And that is there for the days where I get up and I doubt. And I wonder if I'm making a difference or helping or doing the right thing, whether I am enough. And I look at that wall. Oh, that's really lovely. So it's always there as a reminder. But isn't it funny, Dan, don't you think that like in the business that you're in, people will go, but... But how can you doubt yourself when you do all this wonderful stuff? But in a way, that's part of the beauty and part of the joy, as we said at the beginning. Absolutely. You know, I believe I'm an absolute expert on imposters because I have spoken to mine every day for 56 years. Well, maybe 54. Um, and, And I do believe that we are much more authentic in being able to share real experience and so am I perfect of course perfectly imperfect I'm full of imperfections and it's by allowing them and embracing them and saying and they make me who I am that actually that's how we I I think honor what we're really about that's legacy isn't it yeah yeah absolutely And, and and what's your What's what we call, what's your fizzy pop moment where you just sort of go, wah, you know, how, how does that sort of turn up in your life? Uh, I would say the biggest one for me is when I hear from people who say, I did it. Wow. I did that thing that I was absolutely sure I couldn't do. And because of something you told me or something you said, I did it. I find that quite breathtaking. Wow. And, and if you were to use one word to describe yourself, what would that be? <laughs> uh, stubborn. Yeah. Maybe stubborn, maybe determined is a more positive yeah, take on that. Because yeah, really stubborn can be seen as a negative, although I don't think it always is. So determined. And, and where do you think that determination came from? Do you think that came from a very young age? Yes. Really? Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, I think I never felt I belonged in the quite remarkable school I went to. Wow. And so I always felt I had to work a bit harder to prove that I did. And it made me determined. Wow, how lovely. Um, and then I think my health made me more determined. Every time a doctor says, you won't or you can't, I want to say I will and I can. That's beautiful. That's really lovely. And do you still apply that same determination into all assets and facets of your life? Yes. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Living with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome means from the moment I wake up every day until I fall asleep, I'm in pain all the time. And it would be really easy to just stay in bed and have lots of duvet days. Mm. And I think that would be a terrible, terrible waste of time. And I have to be determined in the morning to push through that and say, today's going to be a really amazing day. And if I stay here, I'm going to waste it. Oh, how lovely. How lovely. 
And what does the rest of, well, what does 2024 look like for you? Oh, 2024 is about um, gratitude for, for where I am okay. and more time with John. So I've done something that lots of small business owners, I think we, we dream of doing, and I have decided I will be working a three-day week. Um, and I intend to, to make that happen this year. That will be my truth for 2024. That's so nice. Well, one of the things that we've got actually for the month of February when this, this airs is love. Mm. And what would you, how would you sum up, I mean, obviously you spoke about your wonderful marriage with John, but what would you say about the word love? I think it is... Um, I think it is one of the most beautiful words in any language. Because what love to me says is exactly what we've been talking about. Love is seeing the enoughness in others. Um, and, and when we really love another person or another being, it reflects back to, to them the, the kind of joy and beauty they bring to the world that they never get to see in a mirror. You don't see that in anything other than the reflection of someone who loves you. And when you see it, it is quite beautiful. I remember my daughter saying to me many, many years ago, and she's said it since, I just love the way dad still looks at you. Aww. And that is for others to see that, for, for your child to see that's really important. But I get to see that. When he looks at me, I see the best version of me. Aww. And I think love gives that to somebody else. It's a huge gift to be loved because you get to see how remarkable you are. And that, we don't see it enough. That is so true. That's so powerful, isn't it? That's hugely powerful. Well, Dinah, thank you so much for sharing this time oh. with us. Seriously. Beautiful.